Wednesday is the microphone on. I've got backup just in case. Welcome to the Cold Calling Podcast, season two, final episode of 2023. This is episode number 23. And I think they say we save the best for last. I'm Larry Long Jr., CEO, that's Chief Energy Officer of LLJR Enterprises. Gotta say thank you to our sponsors, Monster Connect. The Cold Calling Podcast is sponsored by Monster Connect, leveraging technology and human resource to deliver live conversations. Can you hear me now? For all of our sellers out there, I know you want to connect with 8 to 12 decision makers to have those vital conversations. Monster Connect can help you. Now, the Cold Calling Podcast, we're here to provide you with insights in the cold calling into sales, into life to help you, yes, you, and you to succeed in sales. Now, joining us today, live, watch out now. I'm going to call this the triple threat. Actually, it's more like the triple bonus. It's the terrific trifecta and three amazing sales leaders in the death care industry. I am honored to welcome Three of my friends. I think I can call them friends after the time that we spent in good old Tucson, Arizona with the ICCFA and the Death Care Collective Leadership Conference. Hailing from Suffolk, Virginia, I want to welcome to the stage number one, Anna Laura Hubbard. Let's give it up for Anna Laura Hubbard, the regional sales manager at Cold Spring. She's also a sycamore. I did a little bit of research. A sycamore of Indiana State. And I think that Anna Laura is the number one alum, followed by the great Larry Bird. Did I get that right, Anna Laura? You got it. You got it. And let me tell you a fun fact. Larry Bird did his student teaching at my high school. What? Did, did he teach you his jump shot? Uh, No. <laughs> Oh, close enough. Now, welcoming to the stage, number two, we've got from the slopes of Salt Lake City. I think they call them the silicone slopes. She's the chief sales officer of Envision Strategic Partners. She's also an alum of the University of Utah, the Utes. Yes, swoop. There it is. Let's give it up for Miss Erin Larry, I just want you to follow me around and introduce me everywhere I go. I love it. I love it. Welcome, 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 Aaron. And now, last and most definitely not least, hailing from H-Town, a.k.a. Houston, the senior vice president at Carriage Services. She's a bear, but she's a good bear from Baylor. Yeah, the home of joy and lady. I think those are the mascots. Let's give it up for Miss Gravitas herself, Robbie Poppy. to be here. Your energy is absolutely contagious and it's caught me today. So I'm glad to be here. Hello, ladies. Hello, everyone. What a joy. Oh, I am so excited. I think I'm the most excited to have y'all together. And I like to start off with a segment I call the who, the what, and the why. So we'll go in reverse order. We'll go with Robbie, then Aaron, then Ana Laura. Our viewers, our listeners, they want to know, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? The mic is all yours, Robbie. Who, what, and why? Hello, my name is Robbie Poppy. I hail from Houston, as Larry already told you. I am the Senior VP of Operations for Carriage Services. I'm a mother to a 19-year-old budding opera singer at University of Cincinnati Go. Uh, I'm the daughter of a colonel in the Air Force who drove me to where I am today, but now I propel myself forward. My why is to make me better while I make others better, to make people aware of the amazing power 
power of choice they have in their lives and propel them to the success that they want. And Larry, you do the same. And I appreciate you for that. Oh, my goodness. I knew there was a reason why I loved you, Robbie. That is absolutely amazing, amazing, amazing. I am honored. I am humbled to have you on the Cold Calling Podcast today. Thank you. Thank you. Aaron, the who, the what, and the why. Let's do it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, Aaron Krager currently reside in Salt Lake City, Utah, but I actually moved growing up. I don't know if you all know this about me. I went to eight different schools growing up. So I was very shy as a little girl. I know everyone fell out of your chairs now, right? Um, but there was there's something about moving from California to New Jersey to Virginia to another place in Virginia to Pennsylvania to Salt Lake City teaches you how to make some friends. And I'm grateful for it. So I've lived here in Salt Lake for over 25 years. I have an amazing husband, a beautiful son who about three months ago was in kindergarten and he's about to graduate from high school. I'm still trying to figure out the math, but you can see a picture there. And I've been in sales my entire career. I love everything about it. I take it very seriously that I am a true sales professional. And my goal is to help empower and teach and advocate for others so that they can find uh, the gift in sales. I think sometimes sales gets a bad rap, but everything we're doing, it's really about educating people. And I love everything about it. I could talk about it all day long. I'm so excited to be here. Well, that's why we're here. We're going to be talking about it all episode <laughs> long. And ooh, that's why I'm so excited. Ana Laura, the who, the what, and the why. The who? I am Hanalora Hubbard. I do uh, live in Virginia uh, by way of um, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Maryland, Texas, and Hawaii. <laughs> but I managed to land here in Virginia for the past six years, and we love it. Uh, I have been married for 33 years to my amazing husband. And uh, I'm the so proud mama of a young man that served as a Navy, as a Navy corpsman uh, and uh, now is post-military and has a beautiful family. And I am Peepaw, the two beautiful grandbabies. I don't know why my name is Peepaw. That's the name I was given. Okay. Uh, so I am, I am Peepaw. Uh, to a four-year-old and a almost one-year-old. And uh, I am the regional sales manager at Cold Spring, but I have to tell you my passion uh, really is in sales, but also in education. I believe that if we educate people, um, they can make the best decisions for themselves and you can close sales so easy that way. But I have to tell you, uh, I really, really get excited about storytelling. And a part of what I do uh, at Cold Spring, and we talk a lot about memorials and markers and leaving a legacy and honoring a life. And uh, I just get very excited about the opportunity to help people tell their story uh, and to figure out how they're going to leave their legacy and what that legacy is going to look like, because they need to be making an impact on the people around them for generations. Wow, I absolutely love that. And I came prepared because I know that we've got some storytellers and some story sellers in the house. Ana Laura, I've seen you in action when you're talking about education. I appreciate you inviting me in to observe, to speak with your client. That was an absolutely amazing experience. Now, the, the second segment that I like to get into is called Spill the Tea. And I know I'm not drinking tea, but close enough. I've got some ice water here to stay hydrated. Now, I've heard that collaboration and that teamwork makes the dream work. Now, there's something that a little birdie told me about the DCC, the Death Care Collective. I'm curious, Ana Laura, what is the Death Care Collective? Oh, the Death Care Collective is like a game changer, world changer, take taking the industry by storm kind of an organization that all happened 
organically, which is one of the most beautiful parts about it for me, is we had a group of women that started out doing, um, we just needed to all get together during COVID. You remember that thing that happened? You know, I don't know if you heard about that. Um, but we were all missing each other because we are all social creatures, right? We thrive off of each other. And so there was a few women, Erin uh, was one of uh, those beginning women that started out just connecting over a virtual coffee. And then that grew into a book club. And then our book club grew into an organization where on LinkedIn, we have more than a thousand followers alone on LinkedIn. And what it is, it's a group of nine women that came together uh, really with the goal of empowering and advancing women in death care. And so that's what we do together. And we do it with virtual um, opportunities, with virtual events. And and Robbie so beautifully uh, led one of those events for us, and which was amazing, our highest, highest ranked uh virtual event that we've ever done in our history. And uh, so Erin and I are so excited to be, Erin is the chair and I am her uh, vice chair and uh, just an incredible group of women advancing other women through virtual events, through in-person events, through mentoring, through teaching, through training. And at the end of the day, being a safe place for women uh, to ask the questions, to get the help uh, that they need and the support. And we are really, really good at being their hype girls and we love it. I love it as well. I can I can just feel all of the love around education, around advocacy. I, I've got a shirt for almost every topic we're talking about. Ooh, that love is deep in my heart. And I would love, I mean, I, I, I'm inspired to hear that you started with nine, now over a thousand followers on LinkedIn, that it started with a virtual coffee, it, it transitioned into a book club, and now you have a vibrant community supporting, oh, collaborating, lifting up, mentoring, training. Oh my, we need more of that in the entire world. I love the example that you're showing. Now, Aaron, I'm curious. Please spill the tea. And I'm going to ask each of y'all, I want to know, how did you end up in the death care industry? And I know you talked about your love for sales. We uh, we have that in common. I think they call that hashtag sales love. But I want to know, what did that adventure look like? How does one end up in sales in the death care industry? Oh, man, I love this story. So I actually started in sales, nothing to do with death care in my 20s. Uh, I, I can share a little bit more about that later. But I had gone through sort of a transition in my life in my you know late 20s, early 30s. I had had a really successful career in home improvement, and I enjoyed what I learned there. I had an incredible mentor, uh, but some things changed, and I recognized that window siding insulation maybe wasn't my life's passion, although I appreciated what it gave to me and the skill sets that I learned, uh, but I went through some changes. I also happened to get divorced at that time. Um, I was just you know, at this place where I'm, I want to reset a little bit, and my grandmother had pre-planned with a local funeral home here in Salt Lake. Lake City. And she knew I was sort of in this state of flux. And so she called me one morning. I've told this story a lot. It was about seven in the morning, but she said, literally, Aaron, I woke up in the middle of the night and I know what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life. To which I very seriously responded, have they adjusted your medication? Do you need help? What is going on? And she said, she said, no, just come over. So we had a great relationship. So she had pre-planned with the lady and she said, I don't know what it is. I don't know what they do, but she was dressed really well. I'm guessing she makes some good money, but she just was really nice. So I tracked that lady down uh, and that led to about three people later. And I learned a little bit about it. And I thought, wow, I can take the gifts I've been given and the skills I have around really educating, that's all sales is, um, but I can educate people, especially some of these older people that don't understand their options for giving the gift of peace of mind to their family by pre-planning. And so I learned everything I could about it. I started at the beginning and I, I said, I just want to start at the beginning. I, you guys, I didn't know cremation, bear, I didn't know anything. I didn't know up from down. I had attended one funeral my whole life. So I had a lot to learn. I was so excited about it. And I found really quick success, but I think 
think it's because I just felt so passionately about it. And that was uh, what started. It was actually 10 years ago this month. So it's uh, the timing of it is pretty incredible. So I, I just, I love everything about it. I quickly realized there's way more to death care than just the little bubble I was in. And so I've been able to make so many incredible connections and relationships. And I am still, I mean, I'm more passionate about it today than I was when I started. So I, I love, I've loved every minute of it. Oh my goodness. Just the, the themes continue in terms of just being happy to help. <laughs> Happy to I gotta come see your wardrobe. This is amazing. Uh, y'all, y'all are amazing. Y'all are awesome, and uh, I am just excited to be in in, in the uh, essence of so many awesome individuals. Now, Bobby, the, the, I think we broke the internet. The electricity just—you disappeared. Now you really I was out. I'm back. Oh, welcome back. I would love to hear how did you end up in the death care industry? So I have uh, been serving others who serve our families for 33 years. I started in 1991. Uh, don't want to know where you were, ladies, but or Larry. Anyway, uh, I actually got a job in, as an accountant. Uh, and I thought, what am I going to be doing? You know, didn't know exactly what I was going to be counting bottles of formaldehyde. Who knew? And uh, what happened was, just like Aaron said, I got the bug. It was, it was more of a calling to everyone I, I encountered as I was in our funeral homes and our cemeteries. And what I found was that they love the families that they serve. They're, we're serving families at the most difficult time of their lives. And what I've found over these 33 years is that if we can have the conversation before you ever need it. And by the way, you're all going to need it. I'm just saying, you know, unfortunately, we're all are going to need that final disposition, final wishes. And so having the conversation early, and we can call it sales, but I don't really don't want to. It's like having that conversation and, and saying, what do you want for your final moment for your family, for others. So over the 33 years, I've seen the business from every angle, I feel like. I haven't sold directly. I'm not a licensed funeral director, but I'm honored to serve those who do that work. And it is far reaching and it truly is a calling for all of us who stay in this because we're here to serve everybody who needs us. And it is everybody. Wow. That's powerful. And, and your choice of words, I love. It's a calling. It, it's, it's, that, that takes it to a whole different level, that level of service. And I've got to share, I still remember I lost my father eight, it was a little over eight years ago. And just the care, the compassion, the true guidance and care of, of the funeral home last, uh, just a lasting impression. It's one of those things I'll never forget because it was a low point. We're grieving. My mom doesn't know where to turn. My sister doesn't know where to turn. They're looking at me. I'm looking at them. I don't know what to do, but I remember the staff, the service, the care, the compassion. I'll never forget it. And I love what, what y'all have mentioned in terms of the pre-planning, getting prepared in advance so that um, someone doesn't end up in the situation like me when you're, you're 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 trying to fight through the tears and trying to figure out what are those what are those final wishes what casket what what sir oh goodness so the service that y'all are providing I tip my cap and I give my flowers to to y'all for serving right now uh, Anna Laura I'm curious what does your pathway look like to to entering into this uh, fantastic profession and industry. Well, uh, first, I want to say thank you for sharing the story about your family and your dad. And um, I do believe that every time, uh, you know, you you mention him, you're honoring him. So just want to honor him and the impact that he's had on your life, because I know you well enough to know that it's really huge. So just thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, and it is it's families like yours that we all do what we do uh, every day. It is what drives us and what motivates us. So how I got here, um, so when I was little, my family owned funeral homes. So my great aunt and, and, and folks, so it wasn't all completely foreign to me, but um, I was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. Uh, so I started out as a gym owner. 
And then I was a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> and then I decided that uh, I really felt called into ministry. So I traveled in as an evangelist and worked for Billy Graham for many years. So I was the first female minister ever at Billy Graham. And uh, so it was really just an incredible experience. And so my husband um, had some health issues and I realized I was gonna need to make a change because Larry, I was so busy and traveling so much with ministry that I had to have a whiteboard in my bedroom because I would, and I would put my schedule on this whiteboard because I would wake up and realize I was at home and go, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I probably am supposed to be somewhere. And so I was gone far more than I was home. And I needed to be home to support my husband kind of through a health journey. And uh, there was someone reached out to me via LinkedIn and they said, we have a job for you. And I'm like, I'm listening. And they go, we really need to talk to you, right? Because we have this great job for you. So I had a phone call and they said, we really would love for you to come and help manage these funeral homes and, and cemeteries and, and be a part of leading the sales effort. And I was like, a sales job in a funeral home, and that's not even a job. And they go, it is. And I said, okay, um, but did you get that I'm a minister? <laughs> and they said, no, 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 you're going to be great at it. So what ended up happening was I was hired for the position and my great aunt's funeral homes were a part of the group that I managed. They had been sold to this company. So it kind of came very full circle. But the other thing is, um, I also, it was, it's a calling. It is someplace that we're led to. You do just like Aaron and Robbie said, you get this little bug. It, it just gets a hold of you. The difference that we can make in the lives of others, whether it be uh, people that work uh, in our companies and giving them an incredible opportunity to serve families and have a meaningful career, or whether it is the families that we're serving, um, just as was shared in some of the most challenging days in their life. And I tell you the thing that people always find Larry is I um, you know ministry is an incredible opportunity and it is a calling and there was a lot of joy that went along with ministering and making a difference in people's lives which I'm so so excited to do but it's weird I know but since I joined the death care industry I have a greater sense of joy than I ever had before. It is the difference that we make, the lives that we impact and the good that we do. Um, it is so purposeful and so beautiful. So my life is filled with joy um, that I didn't really have before. So that's how I came here. And that's kind of what my life in death care looks like. That, that's powerful right there. The joy in service for all of our sales professionals, all of our leaders, I hope you're listening closely. I've been taking notes as they've been sharing and they've been sharing so many great nuggets. Now I'm looking for some in-depth nuggets around cold calling. So Aaron, I would love to hear your thoughts around what does cold calling look like? So that's a, a great question. So first of all, <clears throat> cold calling should never feel cold. It only takes five to 10 seconds to make a connection with someone. And if we really focus on our passion and our why, that will come through in the five to 10 seconds, which will give us another five to 10 seconds, which will give us another five to 10 seconds. And then you find out in about 30 seconds, you're on the way to making a friend. And if we, I always, I had a mentor once say, just imagine they have a sign on their head and you can just visualize it if you're on the phone. And all it says is make me feel important. And if you do nothing else, make them feel important. It doesn't say make me feel important so that you can get your next sale. It just says, make them feel important. And I've just, I've, I've learned that if you focus on make them feel important because they are make a friend be a good listener, you will then earn the right for the next 30 seconds. And then for the next 30 seconds, we get so intimidated by this concept of cold calling. But if I know, Larry, I'm calling you because I want to educate you. 
on some of your options to maybe make things a little easier for your family when the time comes. I just want to make a friend. I want you to know how important you are to me and how much I value. If you only give me one minute of your time, I want you to know how much I appreciated that one minute. And if I've done a good job, I'll earn another minute. Oh my goodness. Wow. Make me feel important. Those are words that I absolutely love because people want to feel seen, heard, felt, and loved. And I love this quote from Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Amen. I've heard that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of friends, we got Paul Chapman giving a shout out to his friend, Anna Laura. <laughs> hey, Paul. Thank you, Paul, tuning in from LinkedIn. And then we also have Philip, who, who just reiterated what you said, Aaron. Cold calling should never feel cold. That is great. I love it. Robbie, I would love to know your thoughts. Anything to add around cold calling? Any strategies, any tips that you have around cold calling specifically in the death care industry? You know, what's interesting about what we do is that we often had this reverse cold call where we are sitting at our funeral homes and a, a family who is grieving and needs help, they're calling us. And so we talk a lot about this in our industry. How do we how do we serve that family? And we have seconds to do it, just like Aaron said, and to make them feel important. For me, it's gratitude and then following with education. So thank you so much for taking the time to call to call us. I am absolutely here to serve you and I can't wait. I'm excited to educate you on all the things that you have at, at your feet and what you'll be going through. And I'm honored to do that. So I feel like gratitude is always a place to start. Now, granted, if you're calling someone and you're knocking on a door, you're the one doing that, that gratitude may not flow naturally, but you're still honored to be on their doorstep. You're still honored to call them on the phone. Thank you for taking just a moment of your time today. I would like to educate you on something that really affects every one of us in a way that is life-changing and preparing for that moment is the key. So if I can get that gratitude out in the very first few seconds, and I, I, what I found in my life is that the gratitude is pervasive. And when I lead any conversation I have with thank you for allowing me to be with you today and have this conversation, it takes people off I me mean, off of, oh, I'm not defensive anymore. Wow. Well, you're welcome. Uh, and I find, especially when we have that reverse cold call, when a family's calling us and they need something from us, I'm grateful for that moment. Wow, that attitude of gratitude. And what I'm hearing, because I'm listening, is that in sales, sometimes we need to hush and listen. And, and when you share that gratitude, I can just feel the sincerity. People are smart enough. They can smell BS from a mile away. So that sincere thanks, that sincere gratitude is absolutely amazing. Before we get to Ana Laura, Robbie, I would love to hear because I've heard it mentioned a few times. You just mentioned the reverse cold call. But I also have heard this term. I think it's called pre-planning. I know, Aaron, you, you, you got introduced through pre-planning. Could you explain what pre-planning is? Absolutely. So we all will be faced uh, with the all important question of what will happen when I'm gone and what will that moment look like? Now, we don't want to face it. And in this moment at 58 years old, it's a perfect time for me to have that conversation. So have uh, and what it does also is it releases the burden from your family, just like you described, Larry. What would mom have wanted? What would dad have wanted? And people say, uh, you know, mom wrote it down. Maybe I can't find it. But having the courage to go and plan your own funeral, plan what that looks like. And quite frankly, you don't have to, but paying for it in advance is the ultimate gift. Really, it's a gift because that your family then doesn't have to face that. They'll know exactly what you wanted. You will have funded it in advance, not necessary, but it usually freezes the price. And as we know, prices increase, so it's certainly not required, but it absolutely 
it's the conversation. So my story is that my dad, who was colonel Air Force, he and my mom and I went to a, a theater home here in Houston, right next door to the Veterans Cemetery. And I, it's hard to say it, but we had fun. We talked about everything he wanted. What was magical was that we saw this beautiful glass caisson in front that they hire a, a Clydesdale horse to, to take to the uh, to the cemetery. And he said, I would love to have that. And we were like, what? Who knew? It, it wasn't sort of my dad's moment that we thought he would like. And so we did that for him. And when he did ultimately die, we had that case on and we all processed to the cemetery. I would have never known that if I hadn't had the courage to say, dad, we're going to plan. We're going to plan that moment. And my mom is next. <laughs> we haven't done that yet, but we will. Wow, what an amazing story. And what I'm hearing is not only saying yes to you, but saying yes to your loved ones by planning in advance, taking that burden off of them. If you have the ability, financing and paying that so that when the time comes and it's going to come for all of us, we're, we're all running that race. We don't know when we're going to cross that finish line, but taking care of that in advance, the gift that keeps giving in a time of need. So heartfelt right there. Ana Laura, anything to add around cold calling, specifically in the death care industry? Absolutely. I'm going to take just a little different spin, uh, just so you can get three different uh, different views from three different areas of, of, I'll say, cold calling. So sort of like, um, you know, I received a call. Uh, and that's how I came in. And it was a cold call. Um, it was not an industry that I knew. It wasn't a person that I knew. And so when I uh, started in management in this industry, in this profession, uh, I really can't come to understand that it's not always the people that are applying for the jobs, you know, that sometimes you have to go out there and you have to look and you have to go find the right people and you have to be willing to put that work in and cold call in a sense. So. From that point of view, it is showing up and just like we've heard is that gratitude and making sure that that person is important to you. But I will say that it is also about being your authentic self and bringing your best self to that conversation, bring your best self to the table. And when you're doing it in a manner of wanting to hire people, be someone that people want to work for and make sure that you're sharing that. So. When I was uh, in charge of, of hiring folks to work directly with families, there was a gal that worked at the um, in the mall at the cookie store. Her job was to bake cookies, okay? And she had the best customer service. She cared for every single person. She was young. She was enthusiastic. And I knew people that knew her and they said, she, like, she is amazing. She needs an opportunity. So. I went and I talked to her and I said, I have an opportunity for you. So she came to an interview in her apron still, came straight from the job. She was so excited, had never worked in a, uh, in a business setting as far as in an office. And the first introduction was going to be the office of a funeral home in a cemetery. Um, but I will have to say by cold calling her, looking at her potential, her talent, knowing that she was the kind of person that would be perfect to serve our families. I remember the day, Larry, when I, I said, listen, don't look in the pay app tomorrow to see what your paycheck is going to be. I want you to wait till you're sitting in my office because I knew she had been doing extremely well. Right. And so she came in and she sat down and I said, OK, open it up and tell me you, you look at your pay and you tell me how you're doing right? And she opened it up and she started crying. Wow. She never in her life would thought she would make that. She's like, this is more than my husband makes. Right. And I said, okay. And she goes, I can't believe I'm worth this. It was a sense of worth. But so let me go back to the beginning of the story. When I saw her, when I heard about her and I chose to cold call on her, and I showed up as someone that could see her worth and show up as a person that she wanted to work for, it changed her life. 
So sometimes, you know, when we look at there's all sorts of different types of cold calling, but the biggest thing to take away from that is uh, making sure that, um, again, they're the most important part of the conversation, but you show up as your best self. That's that's powerful. And I love that story from cookies to cold calling to self-worth. Oh, all with the apron on. Uh, I'm going to stick with you on Laura, because there's folks right now that are going that are listening in live or they're going to listen in or watch the replay. What recommendations would you have for anyone that's considering or maybe even not considering? They might not even know, wow, there's a potential career for me in this amazing industry of service. What, what are your recommendations? Number one, how does someone get started? And number two, what are the major benefits from your perspective of being in sales in this amazing industry? Absolutely. So this is what I will say to those folks listening and those folks that are going to be listening in the future. If if you're thinking about this and thinking this sounds really interesting, if this is piquing your interest at all, I want you to ask yourself a few questions. One, do I love serving others? Am I passionate about making a difference in the lives of other people? When things are really challenging in tough situations, am I the person that you need? Because, Larry, some people really are those people that are very grounded in difficult and challenging situations. So when you are working with a family that has just lost a loved one, that is a challenging situation. They need someone full of compassion and kindness. They need someone who cares. They need someone who wants to make a difference in their life and is willing and able to walk them through it. Someone who is really good at doing what needs to be done and accomplishing everything that needs to be accomplished. So that would be what we refer to on the at need side. That means there has been a loss. So quite often those are our funeral directors that are working with those families, or those might be even in the cemetery world, a, a family service counselor, a sales counselor, working with them uh, to take care of the cemetery side. We also talk about, as you've heard, about pre-need, about pre-planning. And so those are sometimes the same people. Sometimes it's different people. You don't, uh, in all states, you don't necessarily have to be a, a funeral director in some states uh, to be able to pre-plan funerals. Some you do. But in all states, uh, for cemetery uh pre-planning, you do not have to be a funeral director. So if you have an interest in being a funeral director, uh, then I would get a hold of um, one, a local funeral home or a local mortuary science school, either one. Um, I would encourage you to go to a funeral home and talk to them about what it's like to be a funeral director to get more information one-on-one, -on -one, right? Uh, and then when it comes to looking at it from, from a sales perspective, which is where I come from, is being on the sales side of, of who we are and what we do. And sales is serving. Sales is education. Uh, I would say to, again, walk into a funeral home, walk into a cemetery, uh, do a little bit of uh, homework, reach out to any of us. We would be more than happy uh, to help guide you on that path as well. But it really is do you love to serve? Do you want to make a difference in other people's lives? Uh, and are you really, really good in, in challenging situations? Are you kind of that rock solid person? Because if so, you're probably an incredible fit. I will tell you one other thing, Larry, that I have always done when hiring someone. I would tell them a couple of stories about being in the role. And I would tell them stories. And if they emotionally engaged with me, if I could make them cry, I knew I had someone who was going to be really, really good. So uh, it is just interesting that it is a, a kind of a world that you have to be willing to emotionally engage. And that's okay. So if that sounds like something that would really interest you, I encourage you to consider uh, looking at the profession that we're in. Oh, amazing. Sales is service. Sales is caring. Oh, my goodness, Robbie, I'm going to come to you because Anna Laura, what she mentioned, what I'm starting to hear, it sounds like this thing that we call gravitas. And I, I learned that from your presentation, <laughs> which I still have my notes and it was so thoughtfully uh, done, so, so well executed. The impact on me, and I'm not even in the industry, was phenomenal. 
please share how does someone get in? Why should someone want to get in to this industry? And where do they start? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> it is so, it's, I was thinking about Gravitas and I'm like, oh my God, this industry. So if you're, if you're a call to this and I, I'm Laura laid out this, you know, sense of serve and this ability to face people at their most difficult time. And we call that Gravitas. Larry, what I learned is that presence can come from everywhere and presence isn't, it's rarely about what you look like and it's some about what you say and it's mostly about how you act, that grace under fire. So someone is going through their worst time and you have the calm, that beautiful, you know, six questions deep on your subject. In this case, it's how do I plan this funeral? What do I do? Where do I go? What does it cost? What are my options? We often think that cremation is just this final only cremation. There's no services and families can plan this amazing service. And so as you've been through these, if you find yourself in that moment, I want to serve others. And I had this sense of calm. I can hold their hand and cry with them if I need to, but also lead them and educate them. This is your profession. And Aurora said it, it may be something you've never thought of. And if, if we can serve one more family and have one more person make the choice ahead of time, to solidify their choices, pre-funded if possible. That's this is for you. And having that gravitas, that grace under fire, that how you act, how you show up, holding your shoulders up and leading someone, this is for you. It really is. Wow. Wow. That that's powerful there. That's powerful. I'm gonna come right back to you, Robbie. But Aaron, anything to add in terms of getting into the industry, where to start, the major benefits. I, I can see the gears turning, do tell. Oh, I, I agree 100% with what Laura said. I even thought about, some. I was out at the mall not long ago and I saw this lady crying and I just couldn't, I just, are you okay? Do you need, you know, if that's your natural inclination just to help people uh, for no benefit to yourself, first of all, but this is what I also wanna say, cause we gotta be real here. <laughs> When I grew up, I thought you either pick a career that you make money or you pick a career that gives you purpose and a service, right? And I didn't know the two could be the same because this is what I'll say to all of you out there watching. If you are an educator, if you love serving people, if you're in sales, um, but you also want to make a good living and provide for your family, this is an incredible profession. And there are so many different, we don't have enough time today, right? But there's the funeral homes, there's the um, vendor relationships, there's at need, there's pre-need, there's a lot of different areas. So maybe you haven't seen yourself as a funeral director, and that's okay. And maybe you do. That's also beautiful, but that's okay. There's so many other ways we can serve people directly or indirectly, and you can still make an incredible living for yourself. And I think that just needs to be said. I think so often people think if I, if I choose a career of service, I'm going to give up maybe some of the financial rewards. And there are a lot of ways to not only provide a beautiful life for yourself, but also give back and help others. That's amazing. Now, this question is open to all. Because in the world that I live in, which is primarily software sales, SaaS sales, uh, there's a big conversation around mental health, around taking care of one's mind, body, soul, and spirit. I've got to imagine, and I hate to assume, but I've got to imagine that uh, there's a, a toll, there's an extra toll uh, when you combine sales, which can be challenging when you have numbers and targets that you need to hit, along with serving those that are uh, at a time of need. What are you seeing from a mental health perspective for the sales professionals, the sales leaders, those that are within the industry, any trends that you're seeing? And this is open to anyone. Well, I'll start. So, you know, that when you think about the mental health, the, the toll that we saw that COVID had on our profession, because we saw the sadness of the number of deaths that were that were occurring in 2020 and 2021 related to or, uh, you know, close to COVID, we were on the receiving end of that. And it was overwhelming. And we've talked even more so about the mental health of our caregivers. And so we've 
we keep saying at need and preening. So what we what we mean by that is uh, I'm serving a family who's had a death at need. It's at the time of need versus I'm serving a family who, like my dad and I, when we went to that funeral home, is before need. And so those who choose to do the before need, it is a fun moment because we're all going to be faced that moment of death and we get to plan it and have fun doing it and decide what we want. And so no one gets to make the decision, but you, you make the choice. Do you want to be buried? Do you want to be cremated? You want to have a big celebration of life at a bar? You know, what do you want for your life? So the acne though has taken a toll on us. And what I find is the, that uh, the sadness of isolation is what prevents so many of our folks from moving forward in the profession. We've lost a lot of folks. And uh, so talking it out is the key. And I find that we talk more about that and we start communicating more with others. And this is one of those moments. Hopefully someone listening to that is maybe having that moment, maybe in, in an at need situation where I can't bear it anymore. <clears throat> and having the conversation often will be uh, the, the link or the catalyst that gets me out of that. But it is a co real conversation, Larry. And the, the thing, if we could pre-need every single family, every single person on this earth could pre-plan everything they wanted, then the sadness, it, it would take a different moment. It would truly be about grieving and not about the planning and the business side of a funeral. So I would absolutely encourage everybody to go take care of that business so that the grief can have that closure we need. And you said it earlier, such great advice. It's one of those things that oftentimes folks shy away from. I'm guilty as charged. It's no one wants to think about it. Uh, and when you do think about it and you get ahead of it, it just makes things, as you said, a whole lot easier for those that are going to have to deal with it one way or another. Why not get ahead of it? So have those conversations. Have fun with it. I love your story, Robbie, in terms of having fun and uh, uncovering the, 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 the wishes. The yes. wishes. That's, that's amazing. Now, Paul says you have to take care of your mental health. So true. Thank you so much, Paul. Aaron or Ana Laura, anything else to add in regards to the mental health aspect? Well, I'll just chime in and then would love to hear from Honolora as well. Uh, back to the beginning, we talked about the Death Care Collective, which is a group that happened organically, but that was created because someone actually reached out to me and it was during that really difficult time where we were so isolated and said, hey, can we just have a virtual coffee? She worked in a totally different company. I mean, not, neither of us would have ever met. Uh, there would have been no business purpose to talk or connect. It was just for the sake of connection. And I think that lesson has been so powerful to me that so often we think, what is this connection or this relationship going to do for me or help me advance? Just connect. If you are attracted to someone else's energy, you connect with them because so often I'm a huge advocate, first of all, of therapy and doctors and definitely seek help if you need it. But also in addition to that, connect with people who lift you up. You need to find your people that you feel safe saying, Larry, I just had a day. Could we just chat? And I just need someone to listen. Do not isolate yourself. First of all, you're not alone. You're never alone. But I think so many, especially like Robbie said, those frontline workers, those funeral directors, the support staff, um, the only way they make it through is by having people they can connect with and just have someone to listen. Wow. And what you've built with that community is is just so inspiring. I think they say, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, mount up with a team. And you've built that team, that community, that support group for education, for collaboration, for community support, for education, inspiration, you name it. The list goes on. I applaud you. Ana Laura, I can see the gears turning. Talk to us. Uh, absolutely. So I will say that with the Death Care Collective, um, it, it is absolutely that um, we found that sense of community that so many of us needed. And one incredibly important thing that we do is we make sure that we create a safe space. 
that uh, people can can be open to sharing and to let their walls down and let their heart be seen. Uh, so we are there to support them and and to and just as Brianna is saying, is that wingman? We're the wingman, right? To a lot of people, and I know that that's something that Robbie talks a lot about as well. Is you have to have a wingman. You have to have someone on your team, someone supporting you. But at the same time. Um, you know, the death care uh, world, our profession is the um, the smallest big profession ever, it feels like. So it is amazing how it is a huge profession, but it seems so small. And I will tell you why is we have incredible organizations. Yes, like like the Death Care Collective, but we also work with and engage with so well with the ICCFA. Um or CANA, which is the, the Cremation Association of North America, or uh, with the NFDA, which is the National Funeral Directors Association. So what's the beautiful thing is we all have the opportunity to go to a lot of events. You were with us, Larry, at our Fall Leadership Summit. We have the Dead Talks coming up. Yeah, kind of like the TED Talks. They're just called the Dead Talks. Um, and so that's going to be uh, coming up here in just a couple of weeks. But the incredible thing is every time we all get together, whether it be with Cana or ICCFA or NFDA, no matter the organization that is hosting the event, we all come together as a much larger community. And it always feels like a family reunion because we are committed to supporting one another. And that is it's just so beautiful that we have all of these organizations that that's what they're here for. Now, let me go one step further and talk about mortuary schools. Aaron and I very recently had the opportunity to do a virtual training, a virtual education with the University of Minnesota up where it's cold, right? We were glad that we didn't have to actually fly there. Uh, would have loved to see them in person, but at the same time, it was a little chilly up in Minnesota, right? <laughs> but we had the opportunity uh, to to go and speak to and do a training session with their mortuary science students. And a part of it really was um, some of that self-care and understanding their purpose. And it was, it was called owning your past, creating your future. And we were helping them do that, but their self-care and, and feeling supported. And one thing that Aaron led so beautifully was the cookie jar. Uh, if you've ever heard Larry about a cookie jar, it's really good to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that cookie jar, a little bit different. But when you're when you know when you're having a good day, or you just you take some time and on uh, a lot of pieces of paper, you're just going to write down all the incredible things that you've accomplished in life, all the good things, all the positive things, all the things that drive and motivate you, and then you put them in a jar, right? And that's your cookie jar. So when you're having a bad day, when you feel a little down, and you need a treat right? Uh, you reach into that cookie jar and you pull it out and you remind yourself of who you are, how far you've come and the amazing things that you've done. And that helps carry you forward. So uh, Aaron did, again, just a beautiful job leading that part of our session. But even in our mortuary schools, um, there really are paying attention to those things and making sure that we're training people before they step into the profession, that your self-care is a priority. Wow, absolutely amazing. And Carissa shared that she's loving your energy, loving all of your passion for this great profession. Thank you, thank you, thank you for shining a bright light on these topics. Uh, Michael joined and he said, cold calling shouldn't be cold as expressed by Aaron. Um, I, I do wanna ask Robbie and I will never forget when, when you and I, we were at the reception, you introduced me to a gentleman, I think his name was Lee. And he mm -hmm. and I had a conversation about innovation within this industry. So I'm curious from your perspective, what's on the horizon? Because I was, I was just at a world tour, Salesforce world tour, New York city. And it was all about data and AI, I am, chat GPT. <laughs> What are we seeing in the death care industry around innovation, shaking things up? What, 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 uh, what are you hearing? Well, the first thing I'll say is personalization. So when the sky is the limit of what you can do, what I have seen amazing funeral, creative people, funeral directors do is open the doors, let a, let a motorcycle come in because the, the, 
the guy that died here, he loved that motorcycle. Bring it in the room. You know, if they loved butterflies, bring butterflies into the event. Whatever they loved, there's a moment to shine a light on that. And if they collected something, bring that in and give everyone there a collectible as they leave. If it's, you know, if it's some smaller things. But what we're finding is that there's no limit on how we celebrate the life that lived. And that limit is within, and when you find those funeral directors, and we've seen them, who have that care and compassion and say, let's change the game. I'll watch the funeral home transform their hallway into the inside cabin of an airplane because the guy was a pilot. And on every window was a family member or some beautiful moment that they had had with him. And so that's what I'm, that's to me, the number one thing is that moving back to celebrating the life that was lived. And I believe COVID sort of helped with that. We couldn't do it. We were handcuffed. We couldn't get out. We couldn't have that wonderful moment of celebration. And that's what we're seeing now. So you can even get out of the funeral home. You can have that anywhere. And we're, we're here to serve you to manage that and create that event. Uh, and again, pre-planning in advance helps as well. I'm just, you know, but pre-personalization is what I'm seeing more of. And I'm seeing Aaron and Anna Laura, you know, shaking their heads because we have seen it. So don't be limited. If you, if you want to have that for your loved one, say it and we'll make it happen. I love that creativity, the personalization. You said the sky is the limit. It sounds like to me there is no limit in this terms of all the celebration and all of the, the, the things that, that you can do within celebrating life. Aaron, Anna Laura, anything to add in terms of what's on the horizon around innovation in the industry? So from my perspective, so right, we work with funeral homes all across the country to help them get the word out about their funeral home. And to mark, right, it's just, it's marketing. But we're, we're seeing some really unique ways to find the people that maybe otherwise would never even know about this. I'm assuming there's some people listening today that said, what, I can pre-plan and I could have a, an airplane cabin or I could have my motorcycle. People don't know that. So our goal is to educate. And we do a lot of really fun events out in the community. So even through AI, there's some ways that we're able to get in front of more families, get really creative. We've done flower making workshops before Thanksgiving. You make a centerpiece, you go home with it, you learn a little bit about the funeral home, but taking, it can feel intimidating and scary for people to walk into a funeral home. And it's our job to help people feel comfortable in our space. And so it's been really fun. Just, I'm, we're just at the beginning of learning how we can do this, but the goal is to educate more families. I love it. I love it. We're under the time crunch, but Anna Lord, quickly, what are you seeing in terms of innovation within the industry? Well, you know, there's going to be some, uh, I think, some attention on different forms of disposition. So when we think about now, we think about you could have, you know, you could be a, a casketed burial, you could be cremated, but there are um, water hydrolysis, green burials, um, different things like that that are that are coming. So I think that you're going to see people having interest in even more things outside what we think is the standard um, that people um, are interested in. I think we're going to see a lot of attention on green burials and 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 what that looks like and what that can be and opening that door. I think that's going to be a really big thing. But we also, when we look at cremation, the cremation rate, you know, years ago was 20, 30%. And, and and this year, we're going to be 75, nearly 80% of families are choosing cremation. Uh, and so I think the opportunity, this is the big thing that I will say, is you still need the opportunity to be memorialized and to have your life mean something as far as moving forward, leaving that legacy. So what that memorialization looks like for cremation families, those that are selecting cremation as their final disposition, we're seeing a lot of intriguing and interesting and creative and very much so endless possibilities of what you can create to honor the life of a loved one. Wow, what, what an amazing way to end. Tommy talked about uh, what a great show. He appreciates your openness Aww. to sharing. He shared how much he learned in this last hour. I do have one final question. We'll have to keep it within, you got 10 words. I'm curious as we're, we're knocking on the door of 2024 in less than, let's go less than five words. What are you most excited about 
in the new year? We'll go Ana Laura, Aaron, and then Robbie. What are you most excited about in 2024? Friendships, incredible opportunities, and increased joy. Oh, I love it. I love it. Aaron. I'm going to keep it too. Growth and connections. I just, I'm loving it this year. I'm excited for it next year. Growth for all of us and keeping us all connected. I love it. And Robbie. Oh, I got two. Gratitude and gravitas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What a what a way to end the year. I cannot thank y'all enough. And I am just honored for the relationships. Anna Laura, you and I met back in February, and you were kind enough to introduce me to your amazing crew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to, on behalf of our sponsor, Monster Connect, on behalf of our viewers, our listeners, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to share with us, as well as thank you for the work that you and your teams do day in and day out. It's amazing. It's impactful. And it's a true testament to just the greatness that you have inside of you. Uh, we have Carissa sharing great podcasts. Thanks for kicking off the new year. You're impacting people without even knowing it. So I just want to say thank you so much. All the best, continued success for all those listening. This is a reminder. Please join us next Wednesday as we kick off the new year, January the 3rd. Same bat place, same bat time, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific. We're going to kick off the new year with a bang. I don't know how we're going to follow up this episode. Ooh, I don't think it can be done because this was, in the words of that great philosopher, J.J. Walker, Dynamite! <laughs> we are going to leverage the great momentum. So we will see you next week. Happy New Year. Be safe. Be prosperous. Be joyful. Be grateful. And continue with those connections. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we'll see you next week, y'all. 